Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic for everybody, social worker or not. We all need to have our boundaries. And when I first heard this term boundaries, I was an adult and I really didn't understand what it meant because nobody had really taught me. I just, I learned boundaries from just the expectations of family and friends and teachers and everyone essentially made made their boundaries for me or defined my boundaries for me, if that makes sense. So it's so empowering to really take a look at what are our boundaries and really be intentional around what do we need to really protect our space to protect our mental well-being. And boundaries is one of those ways that is very effective, but also not very easy. It's easier said than done to say no. It's easier said than done to um, try to delegate other responsibilities. It's easier said than done to not respond to every text message and every email as it comes through because we've been ingrained and these have been our habits. So taking on new boundaries can really, really be almost stressful just thinking about it. And we'll also have to think about how people are going to respond to that. So that's why I'm so excited to talk with Laura Scro today about boundary setting. And what does it mean? What is it? How do we do it? How can we prepare for the pushback that is inevitably going to come? So Laura Scro, just a little bit about her. She's an LCSW and public speaker based out of Los Angeles, California. She's passionate about hearing people's stories and believes all aspects of wellness should be inclusive, collaborative, and full of compassion. In her practice, Laura specializes in working with high-achieving, people-pleasing, and perfectionistic adults who are ready to examine themselves on a deep level and really heal from past relational and attachment wounds. Laura has actually worked in various mental health settings, including community mental health, residential programs, home-based care, school-based counseling, and clinical settings before opening up her own private practice. So with that, let's jump into this episode right after we hear this short ad from our sponsor, The Rise Directory. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory, 
a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. I am here with Laura Scro, LCSW. Welcome, Laura. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So we're going to talk about a big issue that people have, or I don't know if it's an issue, but a challenge. Definitely a challenge. <laughs> Boundaries. Yes. Boundaries. Boundaries. Before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do? Yeah. So I'm Laura. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And so I've kind of been all around the social work field over the years. But what I do now is I'm in private practice. And so I work primarily with adults who are struggling with things like boundaries, (laughs) people pleasing, perfectionism, um, stemming from you know, relational attachment trauma. Okay, great. And where are you located? What state are you in? I'm in California. I live in Los Angeles. My practice is based in Los Angeles. Oh, hey, I'm your neighbor down here in Orange County. Oh, no way. How fun. I used to live there too when I was in college. Oh, fun. What college do you go to? UC Irvine, zot, zot. Any listeners out there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there are. I went to Cal State Long Beach two times. Um, So I just love the Southern California area. It's so much fun. So diverse. Yeah. Diverse, beautiful. We got it all here. (laughs) Yeah. No snow. (laughs) Yes. Also a good thing. Exactly. Um, So I remember, you know, hearing about boundaries in grad school, but I never really understood what that meant because no one had ever really explained it to me because they're just like, oh, keep your boundaries. I'm like, what is this? What do I have to keep? I don't, where are they? I don't know where What is it? So how would you define boundaries for someone who's totally new to this? Yeah. So boundaries are basically just like these guidelines or expectations or rules that we set for ourselves that sort of create parameters on like how we want people to be able to interact with us and how we want to interact with others in the world. So, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like when you see like a no trespassing sign and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't go there. That's what boundaries are. And so we can have those in a lot of different contexts, you know, for, for our workplace, definitely within our relationships. So they're kind of all over the place. Okay. Also, the thing that came to mind when you said trespassing was the hours of operation. Yeah, exactly. So after, you know, 5 p.m., do not do not come to this office, right? So it's that kind of idea where you're sort of setting those parameters on, on how you want people to be able to interact with you for your own self-care and nurturing. Okay. So it kind of sounds like ground rules. Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely be thought of as ground rules. Um, It's just, you know, something that you put into place, either it can be physical boundaries, it can be, you know, emotional boundaries. There's so many different things. I'm sure we'll get into all that, but it's like those ground rules about like, this is how I'm comfortable allowing people to interact in my space or interact with me. Okay. And I know a lot of times we, we might set these boundaries for ourselves and have good intentions, but 
being assertive enough to enforce those boundaries, like to enforce the, um, you know, no, no working hours after 5 PM. Mm -hmm. And then when your boss calls at 530, you're like, Oh man, (laughs) or client calls or, you know, just these things happen. And then we're like, Oh shoot. Okay. Well just this once. And then and then it turns into, that's just what you do. That's your, you, you have no more operating hours because people think that they can just call you anytime and you'll pick up. Yeah. And then that's the expectation that you're, you know, subconsciously setting for others to have like that. They're allowed to do that because you're showing them that they can. Exactly. So what I know for me, that was always hard because I wanted to be, I was a people pleaser. I still am Mm -hmm. right. I'm a people pleaser. I, um, I want to be able to help everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially as a new grad, we want to feel like we are trustworthy. Like we're setting ourselves up for success. Like, like our, like our boss can come to us in case they need anything. So how do I'm wondering, how do we balance having boundaries and also all of these other pressures that we, that we put on ourselves, a society puts on ourselves. What do you think about that? Yeah. I actually love that you already used the word balance because that's exactly what I was going to say is kind of just knowing that there's going to be a side of you, that people pleaser side, right? That's like, oh, I feel selfish. I feel like I'm not allowed to do this. I feel guilty. Maybe I feel embarrassed. And then there's this other side of you. That's like, well, I'm actually modeling, especially if this is, you know, with clients or in a workplace, but I'm modeling how other people can also have health boundaries, right? Because it's so necessary for all of us and we all sort of take them a different way. And so you want to be somewhere in that like middle sweet spot, right? Because what happens is if we don't um, bring ourselves to honor our boundaries, not only are we teaching people that they are allowed to not follow them, right? But we're going to become angry. We're going to become resentful. Maybe there's going to be bitterness and that's going to show up in our work. That's going to show up in our relationships. And, you know, that can for some folks lead to, to other issues that, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into that too. But um, yeah, so we want to be in that sweet spot of like knowing, okay, it's okay if I feel these things, those feelings might be there, but what's the repercussions if I don't do this anyway, if I don't protect myself, if I don't, um, you know, utilize my right to self-care because we all have that right. Yeah. I think that's hard though coming it's I mean we essentially have to change our mindset that we deserve that space yes for self-care and that I don't know that in my mindset it was like oh I earned it but we really don't even have to earn it Mm -hmm. I mean I've I've found over the past I recently discovered I mean as embarrassing as I say um, (laughs) that my body tells me what I need and if I just listen to it then that everyone gets along much better. I yeah. feel better. My family feels better. Um, like for example, yesterday I was just so tired and I didn't really have a reason, like a good reason why I wasn't sure if I was sick or stressed or I didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on. Um, but normally I would just try to push through. Right. Mm-hmm. But yesterday I was like, let me just, let me just take a nap. And, yeah. rest. and today I'm a hundred percent better. And it happened. I would have never been able to do that 10 years ago because I would have thought, 
I don't deserve it. I haven't done enough work. I haven't you yeah. know, quote, finished my homework. I haven't done my chores <laughs> before. I right. Can I mean, I, I see that so often, not even just in the people I work with, but also like in my life with my friends and possibly myself, no comment, but like, you know, where we have that, that thought that, oh yeah, I have to earn this. Or like my, my worth is completely in proportion to how productive I am or how much I give to others. And if I don't do that, then I don't deserve this rest. Right. And, and the thing is rest is not something to be earned. We all need it. It's a crucial part of like our human experience and our ability to avoid burnout and our ability to, you know, be our best at work and in our relationships and in all of these other spaces that we occupy. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned before some of the issues that could lead to poor boundaries. Um, what kind of issues have you seen that come up in your work? Yeah, so um, I, there's there's a lot of different things that come to mind. One of the first ones is trauma, right? So folks who come from maybe like a trauma background or an example that's coming to my mind is like if you have someone who came from a really enmeshed like family, right? Where maybe there, there weren't a lot of boundaries in the home. And so that person is expected to meet the emotional needs of, of everyone or always be available because it wasn't safe to not do that, right? Not doing that led to danger. And so you have that person now who's an adult and trying to navigate their own relationships. And we see a lot of the patterns of that like family dynamic from before coming up in those relationships that this person has now, even if, you know, maybe on some level, they know that that's not healthy for them or not what they want, but they don't have the skills. They were never taught or modeled how to be assertive and asking for their needs or how to, you know, tell someone, Hey, that's not okay with me. And, and to enforce those boundaries once they're made. Cause like you mentioned earlier, that's the hard part, right? We can have this idea of what we want our boundaries to be, but enforcing them and, and being okay with that is, is really the hard piece. So someone who comes from a trauma background can definitely have maybe poorer boundaries. Um, someone else who might have poor boundaries is someone who grew up as a high achiever, right? And so it was always expected, again, that connection between their worth and productivity, right? Like, so if I'm not perfect or giving 100% or doing all my things on my to-do list, then I don't deserve to have boundaries. Um, then I don't, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that thought of like, do I deserve this? And that, that can definitely come from trauma. Yeah, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I've, I've found that just being... I'm thinking about my own personal life, right? So mm -hmm. being a people pleaser was how I kept the peace, how right. people didn't get angry at me. Right. And I then felt like that was my job or my duty, at, you know, as a child during childhood to keep the peace, to be quote good. Exactly. Right? So that other people don't get mad, but their issues were their issues, right? Like they were going to get mad anyways. They were going to drink anyways. Yeah. And it wasn't. It, but I you. internalize that. Yeah. And, and I think that's the big piece. And, and when you mentioned mindset earlier, that's really what it comes down to is part A is like really becoming, doing your own work to, to realize that, yes, you are deserving of this, just like the rest of us, right? Just like all those loved ones that you have, you want them to have good boundaries. They would want that for you. And then the other piece of that, once you sort of overcome that battle is like, again, really telling yourself, like, I'm allowed to have this and things will be better for everyone if I actually enforce my boundaries and I'm not responsible for the reactions that others have to my boundaries, right? We're accountable for our actions and for communicating those boundaries, but we're not responsible for carrying the weight or the burden of how someone responds to them. 
which is a good point because if we know or can sort of expect how someone is going to respond, it can help us better prepare ourselves so that we don't give in. So how would others respond once we, we've been available after 5.30, we pick up calls, we um, keep engaging in these toxic relationships, you know, what, what are some common responses from other people when we do set our boundaries? <laughs> Why? Or like, what do you mean? Right? So, so I think the first thing that a lot of people can maybe reasonably expect is, is anger or confusion or confusion that shows up as anger, right? Because there's this precedent that's been unconsciously set of like, yes, you can access me in this way or after this time or however, and now we're taking that away. And so sometimes people can feel like, oh, well, I had a right to you or I had a right to this because this is the precedent that was set and so you may get pushback and so I think one way to really be able to prepare yourself to set boundaries is to know that that's going to come and to really go through a process of accepting that that's maybe not avoidable and then that's okay right and and that's a huge part of the human experience is we can't like avoid a lot of uncomfortable things so this is just another one in that in that realm but you know knowing that their response to your boundary is a reflection of, you know, their own stuff, whether that's their trauma and how they were raised, or whether that's, you know, them being confused about why, you know, suddenly I can't access you in this way. And it's even more of an important opportunity then to model for them, like, this is okay. This is how, this is how it is. This is, this is how I am choosing to be interacted with for my own, again, safety, self-care, um, and because I value myself enough. And you're teaching them with that, even if they aren't, aren't able to see it right away, that they can have that too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard because that pushback comes and, you know, that comes from a place of people maybe feeling out of control or not understanding. And that's where it comes back to like, you know, we're not responsible for their feelings, but we are responsible for communicating. Right, exactly. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to this ad from our sponsor. And do you think that after we have set that initial boundary and we keep it, is it always going to be this hard or do you think it gets easier? I think it can definitely get easier. Um, so I hope that gives hope to people who are trying to implement this, right? Because it, it almost reminds me of, for folks out there who are parents, right? So you have, let's say you're tantruming toddler and you're, you're trying to teach them like, okay, if you tantrum, you're not gonna get what you want. Well, if they throw a hard enough tantrum and then you just give them the cookie at the end of it because that's what shuts them up and, and you're exhausted, which is understandable, you know, we've all been there. Um, they're learning that that tantrum does get them what they want. And so really what you have to do in that situation is to set that boundary that no, this is, this is the consequence. And so that comes back to enforcing that with the people in your life for the circumstances that we're talking about of like, you know, if you don't follow through on that boundary, they're going to learn that they're allowed to do it anyway. So it gets easier over time, um, especially as you practice the language around setting boundaries. And as you practice like, really letting go of that weight of someone else's reaction. And, and that's, that's probably the hardest part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was also thinking too, when you mentioned the people with the poor boundaries, it could also be our boss. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, and I mean, I'm thinking of my time in community mental health, right. As an associate. And I'm thinking about how, you know, um, the expectation was to be on call 24 seven. And, you know, if I got an email, I had to like reply to it right away, or, you know, things have to be submitted within 24 hours because of all these, you know, extraneous factors outside of our control. And so then, yeah, it's like, 
how do I maintain boundaries in that situation when there are factors outside of my control or when I'm scared that this could impact my, my job, my employment? And so I think what I would say to that would be, A, like really trying to have a good working relationship with your boss where, um, you know, I don't know, for folks out there who are able to have supervisions where you're able to really talk about your um, your feelings about things and be open in that way, that's an opportunity. Like, hey, if the expectation is this, how can I maybe do this in a way that is not going to burn me out? Um, so that could be just choosing not to respond to emails in those off hours, right? It could be saying something to your boss, like, I need a few minutes to think about this. I'm going to get back to you later today. And at least giving yourself that space where it feels like something there can be on your terms. Something there is within your control. So what would you, knowing what you know now, yeah. would there be anything that you would change about your yourself or your working relationships when you were in that role with community mental health? Yeah, I think, I mean, the hardest thing for me back then was was the people pleasing, right, for my boss, especially because being an associate at that time, like, you know, you want to put your best foot forward, you want to gain as much experience as you can, and all of those things are still possible with boundaries, and having boundaries does not cancel your ability to do well at your job, because really, so much of that comes down to the work that you're doing with your clients, right, or the work that you're doing for the projects you're working on, and so realizing that your self-worth, that your ability as a clinician, that all of those things are not directly related to whether or not you set boundaries. So um, I think like for me, when I was in that role and I was actively people-pleasing and I was always like raising my hand, yes, I'll take on this extra client, even though I was definitely full and definitely didn't have time to do that. You know, looking back, you don't have to burn yourself out in order to be good at what you do. You don't have to burn yourself out in order to get experience. And so having those boundaries, maybe not saying yes to every opportunity, saying yes to some, but maybe being more selective about, is this really going to fuel me? Is this really going to give me the skills or the experience that I feel like I'm trying to get? If so, okay, then maybe, you know, there's some way for your own self-care to reflect that extra thing that you're taking on. But if not, if it's not going to serve you in that way, do you really have to be taking it on? Right. Yep. I remember I was like that too, where anytime I could get like, I don't know, brownie points, right? <laughs> maybe I'll get exactly. a raise. Uh, maybe I'll get like, you know, more experience or something, whatever. I didn't get the raise. Um, <laughs> right. And I, you know, unfortunately that's, that's a big piece of it too, is sometimes we have expectations that like, oh, if I do this, then this thing will happen. And that may not always be true. You know, there's there's a lot of things that go on, especially in the community mental health world that really have nothing to do with us, right? But we perceive it as being like, oh, I didn't do enough or maybe I should have taken that extra thing on. But, you know, in your example, like that didn't even make a difference. And yet you still mm -hmm. put yourself through that. Yep. And I found it ironic because I, I busted my ass the first like one or two years, right? Like hoping to get a raise, hoping to do all these great things. And I got mediocre reviews, like, they were fine. Um, but, and then in the third year, I remember I was like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to do my yeah. job and, um, and, you know, do the best I can with my patients and not take on extra stuff, not try to be all extra. And that's when I got the best reviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting how that works. And like, we know that in, you know, whether it's community mental health or maybe, you know, for people out there in like more corporate environments, like who gets the raise 
almost like doesn't even have anything to do with how you perform. It's like there's a certain amount of raises that get submitted and the higher ups decide all that. And like you could be, you know, doing amazing work with your clients and and that's not reflected in the way that they, you know, have those numbers set or the way that they, you know, give out those raises. It yeah. makes no sense really. But, right. you know, then it comes back to that idea of like, did I need to put myself through all of that? And ultimately, you know, does that really define how my work is? Is that metric really the metric I should be basing myself off of? It's true. Yeah. Now going back, I probably would have had a detailed conversation with my boss. Like, look, me taking on these extra roles, is this going to amount to anything? Do you, does this matter in the grand scheme of things? Um, yeah which would be a hard conversation to have. Um, but I yeah. think too, it's, it's important because you really, what I'm hearing from you is like, we really want to be clear on what our goals are mm-hmm. and what is going to help us towards those goals. Yeah. 100%. And it's okay if we don't have all that figured out, but then, you know, it's another process of evaluating, like, is this at least seeming like it's going to put me in that direction or is this going to feel like it's so much more work and for those of us that are like working with you know clients it it comes back to that idea of modeling right if we can't have an assertive conversation how are we going to help our clients to to do that so um you know we want to really make sure that we are practicing that and and getting comfortable with that so that we can then you know make those changes and help our clients through that same journey yeah and that would be a perfect conversation to have with someone because if you're if you're scared about setting boundaries that someone's going to get mad at you because you, you said, Hey, I'm not going to be available after five anymore. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't believe you. And then they try to call you after five, you don't pick up and they get mad. Then we can go back the next day and have a conversation about what happened. Why did they get so mad? Why were they triggered? Because they're probably doing that with other people in their lives. Exactly. Setting boundaries. Exactly. Our, what we do is so often a parallel process for them, you know, and so if we're really able to model that and, and have those like really open, hard, but open conversations, then they're able to take that with them in all of their other relationships in their life. And again, when we, when we think about like where those behaviors come from, right, where, where poor boundaries typically come from either trauma or, or high achieving expectations, or just people who, you know, maybe are, are depressed and don't have that, that, self-esteem to set those boundaries, all of those things, you know, it's, it's still a healing process to, to take them through that and to coach them on, on how a, that they're, they're worthy of having boundaries and B how to implement them. Because the reality is someone might get mad, you know? And so again, trying to avoid that outcome is not really the goal here, but rather accepting it as a possibility and knowing that even if that's the case, like this is necessary for, for my self-care, for my healing, for my ability to do what I need to do, because otherwise we get burnt out or we get resentful. Yep. And I found that once I started implementing and keeping true to those boundaries, other people, then I felt like had more respect for me because mm-hmm. they would, they, I had to tell my boss, I'm like, look, um, I'm not taking on any more clients. I'm sorry. I'm maxed out. I'm providing because I want to provide quality to these people that I'm working with. And I told them why. And, and then after that, someone quit and, um, and they said, Oh, Catherine, can you take on her caseload? And I said, well, am I going to take on her salary too? And they said, Oh oh, no, no, you're not. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I I can't, I can help out a little bit, but I can't take on her entire, um, you know, caseload because I, that, that, 
I just can't do that. It wouldn't be quality. And I felt like then my bosses, they respected that they had to figure out something. I wasn't the Mm -hmm. easy escape that I had always been. Right. Right. And then, and then, you know, you were able to walk away from that again, providing that high quality care to the clients you did have. And also, you know, it sounds like there weren't really repercussions for that. Like you were able to communicate that boundary and have it be respected, which is huge because so often our anxiety tells us that that's not going to be what happens, right? That like, oh, if I do this, what if I get fired or what if I don't get the raise or what, what all these, what ifs that can come up. And some of those things are valid, right? They're, they're worth exploring and, and weighing the pros and cons, but ultimately, you know, is it really worth the overall consequence of us not feeling capable in our role, not feeling like we can rely on our team or our boss for support, because that's a huge part, especially for people who are newer in the field and, and really trying to learn, you know, when you're drowning under all this pressure and, and you don't have that support, that's really going to make it so much harder for you to grow in the way that you want to grow. So being able to just like acknowledge, like maybe the worst case scenario is not going to happen. That's, yep. you know, that can be really powerful. And even if you have, I always like to remind people that if you have done all these things, you've had the conversation with your boss and it's not getting any better, go look for another job. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, um, I wouldn't say that I like often encourage my, my clients to find new jobs, but I, I don't, you know, I, I, I offer for them to explore that option more often than they, I think they would normally because we, we base so much of ourselves in our work. We spend more time at work than we do in most other domains of life, right? And so if we're feeling that burnt out or feeling unsupported and having our boundaries be continuously disrespected, we're not married to this job. We are allowed to find something else and we are allowed to advocate for what we need. And so, you know, there's, there's no harm in applying and interviewing. And, you know, even if you get offered something, you don't have to leave. So really the ball's in your court you're able to, to make those kinds of decisions for yourself if that's what you need to do. Yep, exactly. I remember my first uh, super toxic job. I didn't want to be a quitter. <laughs> that's yeah. what I kept telling myself. I'm like, I'm not going to quit. And that's what quitters do. And I don't know where I got this story from, but that was my story until I finally got fired. Um, mm-hmm. But then I realized, because I was miserable, I was crying. My boss was <sighs> like so mean to me. And I realized it just, it wasn't a good fit for me. Like some other people were fine and that's great for them, but also to acknowledging like what type of work environments are you in? What type, is it the kind of work environment that you are going to thrive in? Because you can find a place that is good for you. And that that's not going to make you cry and be miserable. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with boundaries is that so many of us are taught like the actual opposite of setting boundaries, right? We're taught to be people pleasers. We're taught to be polite and to say yes and to, you know, give a 110% all the time. And so unlearning that is so difficult. And, you know, if you have that ability to sort of like ask yourself, why am I trying to just you know, see this out? Why am I trying to make it work when it's clearly not working? And it often does come down to that idea of like, oh, well, I have this story of I need to to see it through or else I'm not good enough or, or else I'm a quitter or whatever the case may be. And that's that's not true. It's like you said, we we are not the perfect fit for every role. We are not the perfect fit as a clinician for every client. 
that's something that I think even I still struggle with remembering when I'm like doing um, consultations with new clients. It's like, I don't have to be the right therapist for everybody, but that's the opposite of what we're taught, especially in community mental health, where mm -hmm. you take whatever case you get and you like it and you do it. And that is how it is. Right. And, and so learning how to advocate for ourselves and learning how to communicate what we need, it really does feel like not instinctive because we've been taught so much of the opposite. So it really is deep work to unlearn that. So what I'm hearing from you is one, expect to be uncomfortable yes. when setting these boundaries. Um, we need to figure out what is going to work best for us mm -hmm. and be communicative about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the situation, like that's going to impact how we you know respond to that pushback that we're probably going to get right but um even so we have to think about like you said what what is best for us even if we don't have it all figured out that's okay but does this make me feel good or does this make me feel miserable all the time that's you know a sign that maybe there's a boundary that can be put somewhere in order to make that experience easier for you we don't right. have to suffer <laughs> you know right. we don't have to put ourselves through so many of the things that we put ourselves in when we're people pleasing yep Exactly. I love that. It's so true. Um, we're never stuck. We have so many skills that are so versatile. Um, I mean, even within just within mental health, within micro work, even mm -hmm. expanding to macro work mm -hmm. and community organ, like there's so many I could go on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really good information. Um, I think we pretty much touched on everything that we had planned to touch on. Was there anything that you feel like we missed out? I don't think so. I think the last thing I would just say about, you know, setting boundaries is, like you said, expect to be uncomfortable, but but know that that's okay. That, you know, the goal is not for those feelings to not be there. It's for you to tell yourself, even though those feelings are here, I still deserve to have boundaries. I'm still worthy of setting parameters around how my time is spent and around what kinds of relationships I want to have. And, you know, even in the workplace, and, and even though it may feel sometimes that like, we have less control over what kinds of boundaries we can set in that workplace, there's still something that we can grasp onto in most situations that can make it a little easier for us. That one small boundary that we can set to make that burnout just a bit less, right? And like you said, continuing to look for other things if, if we need to, if things aren't meeting our needs. But, um, you know, the earlier that we sort of practice this skill, the better we're going to be able to model that for our clients and implement that in our relationships so that we have good work-life balance. Right. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any closing um, tips on how we can really enforce stronger boundaries for ourselves? And like, what exactly does that look like? Can you give some examples? Yeah. So let's say that um, I was going to set a boundary that I'm not going to like answer my work email after 5 p.m. Right. And I let's use the example you gave where clients like really mad about that. So, um, you know, what I would do in that situation would be to, you know, next time I see the client to have that discussion and to communicate with them. This is why I'm setting this boundary in order to be the therapist that you deserve. I need to be able to, you know, go into my own life, not carrying all this stuff with me and, you know, being able to share with them like in your life how could you set that boundary? I'm hearing from you that there's some burnout happening, you know, and, and, and really inviting them to explore why they're having the reaction that they're having. Are they used to being able to sort of push through people's boundaries? Are they used to having their own boundaries, like not be respected, right? And so, so teaching them that they are capable of changing that narrative. Um, the, the other thing too is really just 
getting more used to letting go of that pressure of other people's reactions, right? I don't want people to suffer. I don't want people to be mad at me. I'm a bit of a people pleaser myself, right? But at the same time, I know that that's not about me, right? So that's something like in terms of mindset and and self-talk that you can give yourself as you're setting boundaries. This isn't about me. This is about the fact that I'm triggering something in this person because they're used to a certain boundary not being there, or they're used to a certain way of being able to access me. But, you know, setting that boundary for myself and enforcing it, kind of going back to that toddler example, it's like, you know, if I, if I don't follow through, or if I'm apologizing the whole time I'm setting the boundary, what is, what message is that sending them? Right? So it's about being firm and, and being okay with the uncomfortable and kind of knowing and communicating that this is what's necessary for, for me in order to do my best work. And this is also something that you can take into your life and your relationships and see if that helps you feel a little less anxious or stressed out. Right. Good. I love that. What are some ways that you personally set your own boundaries? Office hours is one of them. <laughs> right. Um, and that, that was really hard. I was doing client consultations on like Saturdays sometimes just in case it worked for them. And I'm like, why can't I just call them Monday? Like, it's fine. You know, so, so setting those office hours, um, but also, you know, being really careful about like how much I want to divulge to clients about like what's going on with me. You know, we all have this like self-disclosure ethical guideline anyway, but really just being mindful of like, this is what I am comfortable sharing. This is what I'm comfortable doing with colleagues, right? This is what I'm comfortable um, having space for. Like I'm part of this EMDR consultation group. And so that's a really important part of my learning, right? As, As an EMDR therapist, but like sometimes there's there's communications that happen or there's meetings that happen that I can't, you know, do or that just I don't have the capacity for. And so learning how to be like, hey, I'm not going to be able to be at this meeting, even though that's what's expected of me and being OK with that. And, you know, so that's something that I've done as well. And then, you know, even just in my own life, being OK with saying no, my friends are not going to hate me if I can't go out with them, you know, and if they do, then that's a whole other conversation about maybe I need to reevaluate some of those friendships if I have all these people in my life that aren't respecting my boundaries, especially being in a field where, you know, there's a lot of psychological pressure in, in the job that we do and, and it can be exhausting and people who don't work in that field may not fully understand that. What do you mean you don't want to go out like, you know, well, I'm tired. I had an emotionally taxing day at work. So really being okay with that and and knowing that those consequences are not the end of the world and that you can survive them and that you are worthy of setting that line. I think that's probably the biggest thing for a lot of people is just like reminding ourselves that we are worthy of that. The same way that we would want our loved ones to respect themselves enough to set those boundaries, like we can also have that for ourselves. Right. Yeah. As you were talking, I kind of got the thought that my own personal boundaries are like me creating my own safe space. Yes. So for me, that'll look like uh, not answering. For example, I get so many freaking calls. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so just yeah. from like spammers and stuff. So I don't answer any phone calls if they don't have a number on it before I would be like, Oh, what if it's an emergency? And like my loved one needs me. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not gonna like, have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not answering phone calls, putting my phone on silent. Sometimes I'll just turn off the phone altogether, put it in another room. I would always do that with my work phone. So work hours the at five o'clock on the dot or whatever time it is, it is off. It is silent. Yes. I cannot see the light. 
beaming whenever there's a new yeah. email coming in. So putting it away in my car or leaving it at the office yeah. um, is how I was best able to do that. Turn off the computer, turn off the iPad, anything that dings at me, I yeah. don't want it. <laughs> or like for, for folks who have, you know, let's say their work emails on their personal phone and they can't just put the other phone away. Like maybe you could put it on your, you know, how iPhones have like that second homepage, put your work email on your second homepage. So you don't see the little red bubble of like, you have 87 million missed emails, right? Because, because you, you deserve that time away from work in order to be the best that you can be there. Um, and so, so yeah, exactly what you've said. Just, I, I think anytime you notice yourself starting to get either resentful, bitter, um, maybe like feeling like you need to complain all the time. Those are signs that maybe you need to set a boundary somewhere. Definitely. Yeah. And for me, that's, it's been really helpful to do some sort of movement, like go take a walk because mm -hmm. exercise and like physically moving your body after sitting at a desk or in a car all day, it just helps to refocus and reframe like what is most important what is the priority here and what actually needs to get done and what can wait yeah. till another day and it's also a great way to release some of that anxiety that might come up if you're trying to set a boundary right like the anxiety over how is this person going to respond to me or is this going to cost me something at work or any of that anxiety that comes up like i agree movement is such a great way to release that energy from you because you know our bodies carry so much of what's going on in our minds too you know, it, it's one, it's one system. And so having that space to let that go can be really helpful in, in being more okay with enforcing boundaries. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel much better about my boundaries after this conversation. Excellent. That is the goal. And hopefully, you know, hopefully everyone can think of like, what's one boundary maybe that I, I could be setting right now for my own well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even personal too. We didn't touch much on personal, but mm -hmm. for me, it is, well, the phone calls, like the phone calls yeah. and text messages, my friends have pretty much known after 8 PM, I may or may not respond to text messages because I may or may not be sleeping. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I've turned to that person that responds to the text from the night before at like 6 AM. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 It's that same idea that like, if you have friends are like, oh my gosh, like, like let's do something. And even like when you make plans and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to be a flake if I, if I don't go, but I'm so exhausted, like communicating, right. That's really what it comes down to. If you communicate where you're at, we don't need to make up an excuse. Oh, my car died. Like, no, it didn't. I, I just don't have the capacity today because I had a really rough day. And friends who are respectful of that, you know, that's the kind of friendships that you want to be seeking. And that's why, you know, teaching our clients how to do this will help them in their lives and help us in our lives too. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Where of can course. people find you? Yeah, you can find me at my website, which is laurascrowlcsw.com or on Instagram. I've got a fun new Instagram, which is at laurascrowlcsw. So you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. We'll talk to thank you later. Thank you so much, Catherine. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You'll have me fangirling all over you. 
take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.